Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry. Once again, I'm joined by the Sunday Mail's chief football writer, Scott McDermott. And I'm delighted to say we also have the Daily Record's chief sports feature writer, David McCarthy, with us today. David, I'm glad you can join us today. I really appreciate it. But I have to say, you pick your occasions to agree to come on to the Rangers podcast after that last night. Um, Normally, it's a happy half hour, or it certainly has been, but... um, Instead of a happy half hour, we had a, over the two games against Malmo, a mad seven minutes. If you boil it down to the start of the second half uh, of both legs, uh, it was a costly defensive disaster, really, wasn't it? Seven minutes, it potentially cost £40 million. What, yeah. what did you make of it? Yeah, you know, the, you're right in saying that they completely switched off at the start of both halves in both games and paid the price for it. But I think there's more to it than that, Gav. I think the the since the start of the season, this is this kind of result and that kind of performance has been coming. The there could be a multitude of reasons for it, but um, but the preseason didn't go well. It was disjointed um, because there was so many players away on international duty. I think last preseason they managed to get all the players together early. They had them all in. They didn't have loads of. Um, you know, qualifiers to get through. That they, they did eventually play qualifiers, but they were ready for them. And I just think that this was a disaster waiting to happen. You know, I mean, Malmo have now played something like 18 or 19 competitive games. You know, they, they were match ready for it. And I even think that last night, there was a collective panic set in when the first goal went in. And I'm talking about in the stands as well. And there has been loads of talk about whether this Rangers team can play in front of crowds. Well, do you know, they have played in front of crowds and they've done well in many, many games in front of crowds. Um, you know, you only need to go back to some of the great European nights, Braga, uh, a couple of, you know, just last season or the season before. You know, like, so so they have done it. They've gone to Celtic Park and won in front of 60,000. They can play in front of crowds. But last night, there was a collective panic set in and some sort of red mist, no in a disciplinary sense, but some sort of mist descended on them last night and they reverted to just pumping balls into the box in the hope that they would get something. They abandoned the entire philosophy that, that Gerard has and McBeal have been working for three years to implement. And they stopped playing the kind of football that's got them into the position where they are champions of Scotland, where they did go invincible last season in the league. And... I just think that they could still be playing the new and they wouldn't have scored the goals that they needed. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right about that crowd thing. Scott, I suppose the one difference in, you know, Europe is where Steven Gerrard has done so well, you know, since he came in the door. Europe, he's just excelled in Europe. But I suppose the one difference this time is there's an expectancy on Rangers now. They are the champions. 
and they're going to get the Champions League. You know, against you know Braga and Portos, and and when they've dug out these big results, they've always really been the underdog. You know, now they are the champions. People were expecting them to beat Malmo. Is, yeah. is it, is it, so is it, a, is it a mentality thing? Well, we spoke about that a few weeks ago, Gav. There's always going to be added expectation when you're champions. No, people people will come after you. Gerard said it himself. I think a couple of weeks ago that they've got a they've got a target on their back now, and it was going to be interesting to see how the players uh, how the players dealt with it. And obviously, last night, um, I totally agree with everything David said there. I mean, they just um, as I said, the, the way that they've been playing, the way they've dealt with European games. The way they haven't panicked when things have gone against them and they've got back into games, you just never felt no, you just never felt that was going to happen last night. Um I mean listen, purely on a on a basic level, I thought Rangers passing was terrible last night. And and I mean pretty much the whole game. I know they had a, a decent spell in the first half and they were probably the better team. They had more territory and stuff, but I mean, did they really create enough chances? Did they really you know, pepper the goal with shots? I just thought generally their passing was really poor. It has been you know, the first few games of the season. And I think in those big games, you know, when you step up to that level, if your passing's not right, then you're going, to have a, you're going to have a major problem. That's aside from mentality and game management and all the rest of it. I, mean, I, I thought Rangers struggled to, to put five or six passes together, which is really, really unlike them. Um and the way they defended the two goals, I mean, this Rangers team is renowned for being solid. Um, last season in the league, teams were struggling to get chances against them, never mind goals. So where this fragility and vulnerability has come from in the space of a few weeks um, is really a mystery. I mean, it's hard to, to put your finger on it. Um, and I said a few weeks ago when the draw got made, no, as well as saying that Malmo were going to be a really difficult opponent, which I felt they would be, and it turned out they were. I do think David touched on it a wee bit there. In previous seasons, Rangers have had that build-up of qualifiers, kind of low-level teams. They've managed to work their way into these European competitions. They've found a rhythm early on, and they've been ready for the big playoff games, or third qualifying games when they came round. My fear was you know, a few weeks ago that this Malmo game with them so far into their season, could really catch Rangers cold. And unfortunately, that's exactly how it's how it's turned out and how it looks for the outside. Yeah. We talk about a fragility at the back, David. Um, I mean, when you look at it, the, there, there aren't too many things that Stephen Gerrard could have done differently in terms of selection. However, Balogun for Hollander is one that maybe, um, with hindsight, I mean, he obviously was going for a bit extra pace with Balogun, but he name-checked Philip Hollander after the first leg as, yep. as one of the few players who had done well when he said six or seven need to raise a game. Were you surprised that Balogun starting ahead of Hollander and in hindsight, was it a mistake? It was 100% it was a mistake. There was absolutely no question about that. Um, for me, Hollander is a far, far better defender than Balogun anyway. And I know that there's this kind of conception or preconception, perhaps it is, that, that if uh, you need a bit of pace, then you need to go with Balogun. If you're looking for more of a kind of siege defender, then Hollander's uh, your man. Uh, but for me, you pick your best defender. And for me, Hollander is a far, far better defender because he makes fewer mistakes than, than Balogun. 
Um, I don't think Balogun's that bad a defender. I'm not saying that for a minute, but I do think that Hollander is a fairly substantial upgrade on him. Um, mm-hmm. I'm also pretty concerned by Goldston's start to the season. Now, people can talk all they like about how, or he can talk all he likes about it, or and Gerard as well, about how settled he is and how happy he is. And, you know, we keep on hearing it. The fact is that the guy hasn't signed a new contract. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how big a part does that play, you know, in the back of somebody's mind when they're preparing for games, etc., uh, as well as actual performances on the pitch? Because he's not been the same player as he was last season. I know you're only four or five games into the season, but he has not been the same player. I also think that, and I can't quite get my head around why the manager is rotating his two goalkeepers every week, you know? Um, again, and it's going off on a tangent, but nobody has been allowed into the media press conferences that would be asking Stephen Gerrard those questions, so we don't know the answers to them. But that's maybe a debate for another day or another time. Um, mm-hmm. So we don't know the answers to those questions. But then you've got your, your two fullbacks as well, Gav. Mm-hmm. And Barisic in particular is playing with a complete and utter lack of intensity. Um, it used to be that you know, that he would be bombing up that left flank and just first-time balls into the box without even thinking about it. Now he's taking an extra touch, he's getting blocked off. Um, he's not showing the same desire, I don't think, um, to hurt teams the way that he had been last season. Tavernier's not playing up to his usual standards either, uh, offensively, but what I will say for him is that he is constantly still looking for the ball. He's still constantly trying to make things happen. It's not working for him just now. It's not really coming off. Um, but I would give him a pass in that regard. But Barisic worries me because on his day, there is no question that he's a major part of Rangers' armoury, and right now that's missing. In terms of Goldson, Gav, in terms of Goldson, Goldson admitted in his own press conference that he'd asked his agent to deal with the negotiations because if he thought about it too much, it would distract him and, and take him off his game. Well, clearly, he's no signed anything and, and it is distracting him because, as Davey says, he doesn't look anywhere near as, as good and as solid and as sound defensively as he did um, for the entirety of, of last season. And I just think, listen, of course you're going to highlight these things more when when the, when the team are losing games, but for Rangers to be in a situation where no, Goldson's coming out and saying, oh, yeah, I mean, there's a contract there and we're talking about it, but I mean, I've not signed anything yet. And just this waiting game to see if he's going to commit. Same with Kamara. You know, Gerard said last week there's a you know, there's a very good offer on the table for Kamara, but he's not signed it. The ball's in his court. Yeah. And that, that uncertainty and lack of commitment just shouldn't be allowed to, to happen. And I just, wonder, I just wonder now if these players... We're actually just waiting to see. No, I'll, I'll wait and see if Champions League group stage football is going to be on, on offer before before I make a decision. And that's no, that, that's not a good position for Rangers as a club or, or as a team to be in going into games of these magnitude with the, the, the stakes. Uh, no, £40 million to get into Champions League group stages. And listen, it's, it, it's still early, but it looks as if that's come back to bite them. Yeah, and the quotes from Gerard on, you know, Kamara, I love him, and Goldson, we've got a great relationship, and it's all very, you know, it's all nicey-nicey, hunky-dory, but at what point do you get ruthless? You know, you're a club, you are a, no, they're a business, yep. and you say, well, you know, you're not signing, well, we move you on, 
and then you get whatever. I mean, we discussed in a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago what you might get for Goldson, you know, with only a year left. But as we said, even as only four million, five million, six, whatever it is, you know, you just take it. It's a take it or leave it, isn't it? And if he's not, then you then you move him on. Or you, you, need, you need to know whether these players are are committed or not, and that's. I'm sorry, but I mean that's probably Ross Wilson's job even more than, than Steven Gerrard's, you know, to, to get these players nailed down. And as you say, if there's any lack of commitment or any doubt, then you need to move them on. You need to bring big fees in, you need to turn it round, get replacements in. Um, and it's interesting because it's actually looking now, at the end of last season, you thought it was a pretty settled squad at Rangers. They just need to kind of tinker with it slightly, a couple of upgrades, you know, a bit more strength and depth. It was Celtic that needed, obviously, the big rebuild. Now, I'm not saying Rangers needed anything of that kind of magnitude, but it's, you know, you're looking at it now and thinking Goldson's no committed, Kamara no committed yet, Morelos' future in doubt, guys like Davis, McGregor, Arfield coming to the end. I mean, maybe that, just maybe this Rangers team and squad needed a wee bit more, um, a wee bit more renovation this summer than, than, than we thought. Yeah, yeah, David. Because um, I mean, we'll talk about departures in a minute, David. Um, and Ross Wilson obviously will have a key part in that, so we'll touch on him. But in terms of, as Scott said, there the incoming players. I mean, Lundstrom and, and Fashion Sakala were the two sort of main guys um, who came in this summer. Both were on the bench, you know, for the biggest game. You know, for for, for the biggest game. I, I know the the game did come early, but. Has he been relying too much in the tried and trusted? Should there, a couple of players have come in that could have enhanced the starting eleven? You know, I think, I think Gav, if you're looking like three weeks ago, we were actually talking about how many midfield players that he had at his disposal. He had something like about seven for only three positions, and everybody was saying, nah, he doesn't need another midfield player." But I think, you know, obviously Ryan Jack's injury um, has been a huge blow for them. Um, is, and, you know, there's still no really any signs that he's coming back anytime soon, despite the fact they keep hearing it might only be another couple of weeks, it might only be another couple of weeks. Then that couple of weeks comes and he's still no back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I think that, you know, that's been one missing right for the start. And, like, they brought in Lundstrom, and I think everybody was thought that would be a good signing. And, listen, it might well still be, mm-hmm. but for what you've seen so far, and hopefully the guy will prove, his, prove me wrong, but he's looks to me as if he's a guy that's come up here thinking this is a piece of cake up here, mm-hmm. and I'll just play the simple five-yard pass. Um, I'll no bother tracking my runners, which if he'd have done, there might have been a couple of goals saved over the last couple of weeks. Um, when he was at Sheffield United, Sheffield United were a team that basically played on the counter attack, yeah. and he was able then to use his energy and whatnot to get beyond the his own striker and get shots away and stuff like that. That was part of his game. Uh, he often played uh, right wing back as well, which he, which he did fairly successfully. Um, but so far, I'm not sure in any of his games against uh, uh, four Rangers so far, I don't think he's had a shot on target. I don't even think he's had a shot. You know, and yeah, I accept he's playing a completely different game. And the point I'm trying to make here is that Rangers are always a team with loads of the ball up against, and I hate to use the expression low block, but up against the low block. And he's he's maybe not the type of player that Rangers need for that kind of situation. Whereas when he was at Sheffield United, he absolutely shone because they were the team that were sitting back and able to spring. Whereas Rangers don't get a lot of 
the opposition don't allow Rangers a lot of space to get in behind them. Yeah. And so I'm not convinced actually that he's right for the Rangers system. Yeah. I, I thought it was going to, Davey, I thought Lundstrom, and maybe I get it wrong, but I mean, I just assumed he was going to be a box to box number eight mm. midfielder. And yeah, I watched him at Tanadice on Saturday closely. I mean, he basically sat in a, a square box in the pitch for mm-hmm. an hour. Didn't he move out of it? Didn't he go beyond his other midfielders or the striker? Barely. Yeah. You say, passed the ball six yards side to side. Didn't he track his runner for the goal? Really took me by surprise. I mean, I, I thought this guy was going to be a bundle of energy. I thought he was going to be getting into the box late and getting shots off, as you say. Real box-to-box midfielder. But it, it looks as if he's been signed to play as another deep-line midfielder. And as you say, I just don't think that's his game. I don't think he's good enough to play in that position and dictate tempo yeah. and spray passes about the about the pitch. So, as early days, and listen, it was a free it was a free transfer, obviously, even though we've been good wages. So you're willing to give him a bit of time. But I've not seen anything from him in the first few games of the season that suggests he's going to fit into this Rangers system and no. get numbers in terms of goals and goals and assists, which I think it showed plenty last night, Scotty, that you know, in a game of that magnitude, Gerard didn't trust him to play. Basically yeah. if he had trusted him to play, he would have played. Um, and by the way, he trusted no, he trusted Scott Arfield over him, which is understandable. But yeah. again, Arfield just looks like a guy bang at a forum. No, looks a yard short. Again, he was a guy that you could rely on to get into the box or score a big goal in Europe. But just looked, no, not at it at all. And listen, there's loads of them in that category, again, this early in the season. But that's got to be a worry. And just on the signings, I mean, I talk about Lundstrom and Sakala, Gav, and, and you're right, but... Again, it's when you start to get a couple of negative results, and it just happens naturally because you start looking at where things are going wrong. But you know, if Lundstrom's not going to work for them and Sakala's not going to be a regular starter, you're looking at guys like Jack Simpson, again, nowhere near the, the first team off the board, obviously, you know, due to health reasons, hasn't really been, been involved. So it's just all of a sudden you start to look at the recruitment and think, no, could it have been better? As you say, Gerard actually said himself, in the summer that he wanted to sign guys that was going to make the first team better. Yeah. Again, it's early days, but it doesn't look as if they've managed to do that. No. And in terms of, I mean, one guy who can be excused criticism last night is Morelos. He came back, obviously, and you can tell he made a huge difference. He got them firing, um, gets that goal. We know that the model is going to be that they have to sell players. We've spoken about that. Stuart Robertson has admitted it. The fact that we haven't made the group stage means it's inevitable that process is going to have to speed up now. Players are going to have to go. Do you think Morelos last night with his performance, David, do you think that could be, could you think his time is now up? Do you think he'll, because they've missed out in the group stage and because of the need for cash? It's a really, really difficult one, that Gav, because if you're Steven Gerrard, if you're the Rangers support, he's the one player you don't want to lose putting them off because without him, well, you've seen what they're like without him, yeah. you know, um, like the first the first leg in Malmo without him, you know, to think that he came back in, in the first half last night, you know, I know he had 80 minutes under his belt at Tannadice or whatever, but that performance in the first 35 minutes, say, last night, you know, that's a that's a performance that will make other clubs in Europe 
sit up and take notice and think, aye, this guy could do something for us. And then you look at his previous goal-scoring record in Europe as well. He's the one, I think, that Rangers can't afford to lose. Um, but your big problem is that if Rangers put the blockers on him moving again, where does his head go? Because we, we saw it last season when Lille, were, uh, Lille had their offer kicked out, that his head did go for a 68-week period. In fact, he only started to get back into it when uh, Itton and uh, Roof arrived to kind of challenge him for his place. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a really, really difficult one with Morelos because he's probably the guy that they would get a decent wedge for right yeah. now. But can they afford to lose him? I genuinely don't think they can. And so you're then looking around and saying, well, if the books have to be balanced, and again, this is a question that should have been asked live last night to Stephen Gerrard, with 35 million to 40 million quid not coming in the door, how is that going to affect um, you, know, you, A, budget-wise, and B, having to, having to lose some of your top team players? But again, I don't think that question was asked, um, so we don't know the answer to that. Um, <clears throat> But what I would say is that you're then looking, obviously, your obvious ones, your uh, Kamara, who they'd probably get decent money for in the back yeah. of the good euros. Yeah. Uh, would you want to lose him? No, you wouldn't. But Gerard won't want, want to lose anybody. No. Um, you know, Ryan Kent, who we know Leeds United have fancied for a long time, um, he's off the boil just now. But again, yeah. if they get Kent firing, Kent's a player you wouldn't want to lose because he does offer you something completely different. So uh, I, think, I think there's a lot of soul-searching to go on behind the scenes. And probably a lot of discussions with, uh, between Ross Wilson and Stephen Gerrard. Yeah, I suppose this is... Yeah, because Ross Wilson, I mean, he's had plenty of praise, hasn't he? Um, he's had plenty of praise, but he's going to have a job on his hands because if you sell any of these guys, like you're talking about, you need to have replacements. Um, you need to have replacements that are going to come in, you know, and hopefully not weaken the team too much while raising a few quid, because the bottom line is money is needed. They're going to need money from somewhere. But aye, but you know, you, you look at it and if they sell Morelis, I mean, are the board and Ross Wilson, etc., gonna allow Stephen Gerrard to go and spend eight million quid on an R striker, seven million quid on an R striker, when he's already brought in Sakala, Itton and Roof. You know, I mean I think last season the kind of the thought behind Itton and Roof coming in was because Morelis was going out the door. So they've already got these guys as brought them in as Morelis' replacement. So can Stephen Gerrard seriously go to Ross Wilson and say, or the board, and say, right, we're selling Morelis, I need an R striker in? No, can the board then not turn around at him and say, well, wait a minute, we're going to Ashton Sakala. Yeah. So why do you need another striker? You've, you've already said that he's going to be a player that can be your first team striker. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't think there's easy discussions going to be had over the next few weeks, I must admit. And if you look across the city, I mean, we know that Celtic every year that they, they went out of the Champions League, Athens in 2018, Dembele goes for 20 million. Following year, they lose to Kluge. Kieran Tierney goes for 25 million. And um, so they bank the money to compensate for going out. And then I think they bought volleyball and goalie, didn't they? So that's, uh, that just goes to show the, the challenge you've got. I mean, I know we're laughing, but I mean, that's yeah. a challenge. You know, you bring in the 25 million. But you still need to replace the player and you need to make sure it's not too much of a downgrade. You know? It's difficult to find the that's the thing, it is difficult to find the replacements. And Davey mentioned that and, and he's another one, you no, know, who they signed and they expected to be able to get into the first team. I and mean, this boy's not a kid anymore. No, he should be able to get into the first team and lead the line for Rangers and no, I feel for him slightly that he's not the, the run of games that probably any striker will say they need. But although he showed wee glimpses, 
know, he's never really put together put together any kind of run of form. He's never really convinced you that if Morelos was out, Itton would be a, would be an able replacement. Um, mm-hmm. Then you've got Kamal Roof, who I actually do think is good enough to be Rangers number nine and lead the line. He's probably the closest thing they've got to being as good as as Morelos, but. It's injuries with Roof, it's keeping them keeping them fit throughout a throughout a season. So there are loads of question marks. I think if you lost Morelos, Gerard would want to go and try and bring another striker in. But as Davy said, with the loss of the Champions League money and given that he's already brought in Itten, Roof and Sakala, mm-hmm. uh, that'd be a difficult conversation to have, especially when it looks as if no, he might want to try and strengthen the midfield again for all the reasons that we've spoken about. Ryan Jack's injury, Davis and Arfield, you no, know, maybe in the last the last season, uncertainty over Kamara's contract. As Davis says, I mean, a few months ago you were thinking, you no, know, what a midfield I've got, strength and depth. But when you actually analyse it, it's easy to see why they they would have maybe been looking at trying to get somebody like Veerman in or, or other midfielders because really the balance. In, in current form, it isn't right in there at the moment. I mean, the midfield three hasn't looked right in any of the games so far this season. Whatever, whatever trio he's he's picked. So, um, loads are loads of questions and loads of dilemmas for for Gerard Ross Wilson and the the board. And you know, last night, uh, last night's result should should just quicken that that process because they need to make they need to make big decisions soon. Yeah. The one thing I would say, Gav and Scotty, is that where Gerard could have a bit of leeway with the with the board and with Ross Wilson would be just sitting them down and saying, "Look, one load of one tranche of thirty-five to forty million quid's going out the door, but if we win the league this season, we don't need to go through this process. That money is going to arrive. Yeah. So bear with me one more season. Get me a striker. Get me the guy that will guarantee us, or as near as hell guarantee us, winning the league." And then you'll get your 35 million quid, yeah. you know, um, because in many ways, I mean, last season was absolutely fantastic for Rangers the way they went about it and, you know, delivering the 55th title, stopping Celtic winning the 10. But in many, many ways, this is actually a more important season because you win the league and it's a nearly 40 million pound prize pot at the end of it. And Gerard can persuade the board and Ross Wilson that that is, you know, let's just go for it again this season. And then after that, you say to your Morelos, you say to whoever, right, you know, we'll, we'll then take the money for them. Um, that might be his only kind of major bargaining chip because yeah. they need to win the league this season to get that money. Did Rangers not do that, Gav? We, we were talking earlier on about when Rangers lost to Kaunas, the Champions League qualifier 2008, uh-huh. you know, after they'd go to UEFA Cup final and stuff. Yeah. It was a real body blow losing to Kaunas. But uh-huh. did Walter Smith know then getting by a few players and actually spend a few quid that effectively helped them win the league that season and got them back in the Champions League? I'm not sure, no, because I, I, if memory serves me correctly, I'm sure they sold Queller to Aston Villa not long after that, did they not? Right. Eight and a half million or whatever it was, and I think that was part of the reason. Right. Uh, I could be wrong. Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong with the dates. I thought, I thought Queller went... Not long after Kaunas, um and if so, I think that might have been part of the reason to raise some of the cash. Who did uh, they buy that summer? Then was that did they go and get like Lafferty or Kuzan or people like that? No, that, that I think Pedro Mendes might have come in. No, Mendes, but he, yep. I think he came in, but maybe later. Um, uh, Kuzan was already there. Right. 
Because Kuzan yeah. gets sent off against Fiorentina. Oh, of course he did. Yeah, you're right. Um, Kenny Miller, Kenny Miller come back that summer as well. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Miller and Mendes. Yeah, I think I think well, I went in there. I think Miller and Mendes maybe came after it. But so anyway, what happens though, the, I, I do think that it's uh, that they need to throw everything at this, yeah. this season, yeah. you know, because and if that does mean holding back, if they possibly can, on collecting big money for Morelos and keeping him to be the focal point of this uh, attempt to win in the league this season, then I think that the payback for that would be yeah. the 35 to 40 million quid at the end of the season. It's something they need to seriously consider. But the yeah. worry is, David, like, I totally agree with you, but the worry is, just going back to last night and the start of the season, though, aside from actual the personnel and the numbers, the question mark now over this squad is, have they got the hunger and the desire to go and to go and win that league. Now, maybe more addition, bringing better players in or getting more additions will will do that. But Gav, we discussed it on here you know, at the start of the season. That was going to be the big question. These players have fought so hard to get yeah. to the top of the mountain. Oh yeah. Could they then go? Have they really got the hunger and desire to, to, to go again? I mean, th- there was clearly a message getting put out there in pre-season. The players were clearly being told. Know, to go with this mantra of no fifty fives gone, no let's get fifty six. It's all right saying that words are fine. Whether well, you're actually going it within you to go and do that, that to me is a big question. And this team so far, and again, no, you need to, no, you need to make the point that it is early in the season. And there's a long way to go, but I'm looking at this team just now, and they look like a team that, that maybe hasn't got that that hunger and desire to, to go again. They, they look like a team. Certainly, Tanadice that thought they could just turn up and play their own game, and they would they would get it their own way. I think that is the real big question mark over these these players now. I must admit, at the start of the season, that that for me was it. I just think it's human nature. I just think it's I just think it's it's just natural, you know. Same yeah. guy go to the well all the time for three years had one goal, as you say, top of the mountain, and then they achieve that. Yeah. But I think you're, I think the way to get over that is normally. You go and add players, as you said, that actually get into the first team and give them, you know, give the players that were already there a lift, you know, give them a new lease of life. But that hasn't happened for whatever reason this summer, because as you say, you know, the likes of Lundstrom and Sakala and Simpson and people like that haven't they been ready to haven't they been ready to go or haven't they been good enough to get into, straight into the first team? Yeah, well, if you go through the nine in a row years when Rangers were dominating, I mean, that's how did you how did Walter Smith keep them hungry? The exact same thing, just bringing in yeah. something, you know, or Gaza or you know, Loudrop yeah. one year and just just keep doing that. Anyway, that was three defeats in a row for Stephen Gerrard. That's the first time. Um, that's the first time he suffered three defeats in a row since uh, he took over as manager. I think you need to go back to um, Jock Wallace days before four defeats in a row. Um, Dunfermline on Friday night the Premier Sports Cup I think you might be covering it for the Daily Record is that correct David? Yeah that's right Yeah. Okay so we'll see how that one goes you can't see them uh, they're not going to lose that one are they? No no I don't think so I don't think there's any no I don't think there's any doubt about that that they'll go on and win that game what I do think he'll do is uh, make a couple of changes and Again, it's a difficult one because it's a game he, can't, he simply cannot afford to lose. But surely he gives the boy Patterson a run uh, yeah. at right back because um, I don't think he's really featured at all so far. Um, as we touched on earlier, Tavernier's not been filing all cylinders. 
Um, so I think that's one that you gave the, gave, I was going to say they gave the captain a rest, but he hardly needs a rest four games into the season. But um, I do think the, the likes of Patterson will come in. Um, be interesting to see if he takes Golson out of the team as well, because it's something that he's never, ever done. Um, I personally don't think he will. No. But again, it's maybe something that, that they should be thinking about. Um, but you would expect that they would go and beat the, uh, beat Dunfermline. And it actually shows you just kind of how crazy it's, you know, that we're even having that discussion with any kind of slight doubt there. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing how th- quickly things can change. I, I really get that balance right though, Dave, because the temptation will be there to go and make a lot of changes. You no, know, yeah. you said earlier, no, even Bassey for Barisic, no, Stephen Kelly probably deserves a chance. Um, certainly up front, the likes of Sakala and Itten, you want to give them more minutes. So the temptation will be there, but as I say, it's a, as you say, I can't believe we're talking about it, but it's a, it's a banana skin that, no, given what's happened so far, they just they cannot afford any kind of, any kind of slip up at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the, see the team selection come, come Friday. Graham, as soon as you see Rangers were only ever two defeats away from a crisis, so what would, what would four be? <laughs> anyway, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot for joining. So don't forget, you can uh, read Davy's report on Saturday. He'll bring you all the news from the Rangers on Fernland game, and then we'll be back next week to talk over that one. And if you want to get in touch with anything we've discussed today, then you can... Uh, get in touch with the lads on Twitter. You can contact Scott on at ScottMcD8 and David is on at DavidMcCarthyDR. So thanks a lot, chaps, for joining us and we'll speak to you next week.